Hey guys, welcome to the Virtus Performance Podcast, episode number five. Today I was lucky enough to sit down with, frankly, one of my favourite humans, one of the nicest humans in the world, Jared Pulsar. Pulsy's been through a fair bit. He's uh, one of those guys who's made a significant lifestyle change for a long period of time and he's been able to maintain it and continue living a healthy lifestyle. So we spoke about his journey, about the things that helped him, I guess, continue to lose weight and continue to strive for for different things and reach different achievements. We spoke about his journey through marathons and Ironmans and and his role as a teacher in education and how how he can use everything he's been to to help all of his students at school. So yeah, it was really enjoyable hour and a half and. I'm really looking forward to everyone listening to it because I definitely learned a lot and I'll definitely definitely be getting a lot of people to listen to it. Um, but yeah, enjoy. Here's Pulsey. Hello, welcome from the Virtus Performance Podcast Studio. Today we are doing episode number five with the great man, Jared Pulsar. Pulsey, welcome. Thank you, Lachlan. Now, <clears throat> we've got a few things I want to talk about today, but... The main thing is creating a positive long-term behavioural change. You have gone through a big change in your life. Tell us a little bit more about it. Uh, well, where do we start? Jeez. Um, I've always been a rather large, overweight kid ever, ever, since, ever since I can remember. Even going through primary school, looking back on it, I could always tell that I was probably in the overweight category. Always loved my sport though and tried to try my best in everything that I did and playing team sports as a young kid you probably got away with it and didn't realise your your performance was uh, hampered by by your uh, body shape or your body composition. It took me a long time to really realise that. Um, and then you went through uni and living on a shoestring budget and food and takes a bit of a second eating second chance like you don't really you don't really look after yourself with what you eat at uni and you're kind of eating a lot of rice and pasta and you're trying to live on a shoestring budget and those are all the cheapest things and yeah yeah and then got through uni started teaching and kind of just there's a couple of things that triggered it were the catalyst and it was through chats with friends and just like that one of my housemates had a chat and just decided to start changing a few things and see where it would take me kind of thing so how did your weight and your size affect your mindset when you were growing up um it probably fluctuated a lot throughout my teenage years like I always thought I always knew I was big and I was okay with that and until you really get a bit older to your 12 like through your teenage early teenage years you tend not to worry about it as yep. much like there's not much pressure as you on your peers or socially and stuff like that as I said before still playing sport and still being in team sports you kind of get away with being part of the team and you obviously can rely on other people but I, I thought I always used to try and at least pull my weight and the two sports I mainly played were cricket which is body composition is not super important yeah. super important in cricket and then obviously football too you can kind of still have an impact if you knew a little bit about the game and what to do and knew your limitations so yeah. it wasn't until really when you start to become more social and more independent that you realise that um, has a bit of an effect on your lifestyle and you're always thinking 
oh, what can I be doing better? But yeah, it probably wasn't until I was probably 15, 16, 17, 18 where I really started to think about it and yep. really started to weigh me down. Oh, weigh me down is probably an interesting term. <laughs> good use of words. Good, good ways for you to really start to think about. But probably, probably really didn't really start affecting me till probably my mid-20s when I was at uni and really started to get really anxious about it and yep. really awkward. And, and one thing was I always thought... When I went out in a social setting, I always tried to think, am I the biggest person in the room kind of thing? And yeah. if there was someone that I perceived that was bigger, which is an awful thing to think about, I thought, oh, that's okay, I'm not the biggest guy here or something like that. Did that affect you going out in social settings um, and putting yourselves in those situations? or? I always, I didn't have an issue going out. Um, it probably not, I was always social, I always had friends and it wasn't like I'd stayed at home or anything like that. Yeah. Um, I always wanted to go out but um, as you get a bit older you want to start to have relationships and stuff like that too and I always try to put myself out there and, and I thought maybe it was starting to become a bit of a limiting factor yep What's, well. so when, when you started when you decided that it was time to make the change you said there were a couple of I guess catalyst conversations that, that got you there how where did you get to how big were you and how old were you so it was probably oh, I probably got through uni at that stage and it was probably towards the back end of uni. So doing a four-year uni course, I lived away from home for four years. So I used to travel to and from uni up to Ballarat. Yep. Um, probably wasn't until the end of uni, until I moved back home for a little bit and started teaching for my first year. Um, I never actually really weighed myself. There was really no point. Yep. Um, I think... I was maybe 135, 140 kilos at one point, probably at my heaviest. Yep. I think one day I went and tried on a pair of uh, jeans at the shop and like, I think I tried on a pair of like 42 waisted jeans or even a 44 waisted jeans and they were struggling to get on. So um, get very, it was very uncomfortable in that kind of setting and I thought, yeah, I, there's something here that I potentially need to work on. Yeah, tell, tell me about, and it's something that, like you've spoken to me about a little bit, about that conversation you had with your housemate as one of the, the turning yeah, points. Yeah, so I had a couple of mates from uni that we kind of talked, I've talked about <laughs> it in the past and um, that, that they were always really supportive and stuff like that and I said, yeah, I really do need to make a change, you've really got to do something but it wasn't really until I moved out of home uh, and lived with a couple of mates from high school yep. and we were four pretty, well, three <laughs> young guys in this house and we had a lot of fun in that house, a lot of our mates. It was a bit like a drop-in centre, really. Everyone kind of come around. And it wasn't until um, Luke Conway, who um, I lived with, just kind of sat me down one day. It was just out of the blue and said, yeah. mate, I really, really love you, but you need to start. It was, a, it, was a, it was a conversation out of the blue. He said, you've got to do something because otherwise you're not, you seem not happy with yourself and these kind of things, but you're not doing anything to kind of change yourself. So... He kind of just said, why don't you just come along to the gym with me and I can show you what I do there. And um, yeah, kind of all just kind of stemmed from that conversation. And I think I'm a person that has, and it was discussed in your earlier podcast, someone with intrinsic motivation. Like I've yep. always thought that I'd always did stuff for me and didn't really, really need other people to um, push me along. But it was just that initial push to, to get moving and get going because not... Having ever been into a gym as a 22-year-old, I did a little bit at uni, but yep. airy-fairy kind of stuff. Um, didn't really know what to do and 
really a little bit self-conscious. You didn't want to be that awkward person that you see on all those file videos doing the wrong <laughs> thing and stuff like that yeah. as well. What was, what was the first step at the gym? So was it just going and training and... Yeah, I think the first, the initial kind of thing that I did was I just um, started to... Um, uh, just followed him around for a couple of weeks and he was into his weights kind of thing and he still does his weights routinely. Yeah. Um, kind of did that with him and I thought that was okay. Um, then I kind of realised that it's probably what, what I probably didn't need at that stage quite quickly and, and I think I was starting to do a little bit of swimming at the time in early previous years to try and supplement what I thought for football training and those kind of things I thought oh I'll do a little bit of swimming. Yeah. But and I was start. I really enjoyed swimming, so I, I kind of continued down that path of just the swimming, and then I really um, progressed to the cross trainer. Cool. At the, at at the gym, so the one where you kind of like the skiing one, where you have your hands and stuff like that. Yep. And I, I really enjoyed that, and it was probably a good choice at the time because obviously there's no impact there with yeah, um, no weight bearing, no weight bearing and stuff like that, and or less weight bearing. Yeah, less weight bearing. You could get a really good workout. <laughs> Yep. doing those kind of things and stuff like that too so that was that was good and I could see and I made a few lifestyle choices from that initial conversation too and what were just, the main changes um not that I was a big soft drink drinker at the time but I just said no more soft drink yep. which I thought was was an easier one to cut out with and I then tried to be a little bit more mindful of uh the food I was eating at the time yep and obviously being like a teenage male it's hard when you have friends in a social setting going out and stuff like that, healthy eating is probably not something that's looked highly, not looked highly upon. It just makes it difficult in those kind of settings where you're going out and stuff like that. But I just tried to make some choices that um, were going to be what I perceived better for me without actually knowing if they really were or anything like yeah. that. Yeah. yeah, but they, you felt like all of those little things started... Yeah, I could start to notice. And obviously, once you start going to the gym, you get into a bit of a rhythm and... Yeah. You can see in your body starting to change a little bit like that. And obviously, being that big or that overweight, small changes can have a big effect to begin with and you can lose a lot of weight quite quickly. And Yeah, it was all kind of self-taught and, yeah, kind of thing. And just kept just really just chugging along on the cross-trainer, really. That was my main thing. I still wasn't interested in... I think maybe continued to lift a little bit of weights and then... Then I decided I'd progress through to the running on the road and yep. those kind of things too. What are the main things that helped you stay the course and, and keep your, your body moving towards a healthier lifestyle? Yeah, I think I mentioned it before. It was just just intrinsic motivation. Yep. and I, I like to think the kind of personality type I have, I think I like to stick through something to see like to see its end of its course. Like, yeah. Almost, you could almost look at it as a bit of a sucker for punishment, like yeah. um, stubbornness. Stubbornness, like I, I didn't want to quit, I didn't want to give up, and I, and I was enjoying it too. Like I was really enjoying it, and obviously, when you like something, you kind of you want to go back to the well more and more and more. And yeah, it was my stubbornness. I don't know. I was seeing change, and I was happier. I was a happier person too, which was a big thing. I could notice that I was making making a change to. Not only myself physically, but mentally as well. Yeah, awesome. What are the kind of things that, I guess, what setbacks did you have while you were going through that process and what things stopped your progress or halted your progress or, or slowed it down throughout that process? I, I was pretty lucky. Like I, I didn't really get injured or anything like that 
Good. Going through the process. Um, it probably wasn't really a lot of times where I was hampered by injury or, or setbacks or anything like that. Kind of just kept like just like ticking boxes along the way, and I think I the the cross training thing was probably a big thing because if I tried to do as much as I did early on, I, I would have gotten myself into trouble. Yeah, I would have would have believed I would have been would have been tough on my body pushing like one hundred and forty kilos and and those kind of things too. And I was always weary at footy. I, I did hurt my knee and was diagnosed with um, like an ACL rupture. But when I had MRIs a couple of times, all the all the um, advice from the specialists and stuff like that come back was pretty inconclusive. And yep. So I was always pretty mindful that laterally I wasn't that great too and those kind of things. So I still have to be careful on it today and stuff like that. But you tend to know your limitations and stuff like that too. And straight yep. line running, which I kind of took up, was pretty good for it. From someone who has been able to move through that change and actually make a long-term positive change, what advice would you have for everyone out there who struggled to implement those changes? I think it, it, it's, it's hard. It's really, really hard to change and get into that kind of uh, lifestyle. At first, that first initial thing, which worked well, um, was that I, I didn't really have any goals. It's, it's, I found something that I enjoyed and I, I just kept wanting to do it. Like, yeah. If you want put yourself put yourself in a pressure situation, say you want to lose this weight before this date I think then it becomes really stressful yep. when you start to stress yourself out and you, you've talked about this in the past on the podcast like once your stress hormones are up it's Correct. it's very detrimental to yep. what you're trying to achieve and it's all well and good if everyone has stressful lives they're busy work study family and stuff like that and sometimes it's okay to take a couple of backward steps yep. to go forward like if you need to take time away from the gym or and take two weeks off You've got to be patient. Definitely. You've got to be... Patience is a big thing, I think, in anything that we do. you just got to be patient and just chip, chip, chip away at yeah. what you're trying to achieve. And if you don't have a goal that you can see yourself improving, that's fine too. You don't yeah. have to work towards something. That's really that's really cool. And that, and that, I guess, delves... We delve a little bit deeper into the last week's podcast with Greg about setting goals and but actually doing things you enjoy. Because if you actually... Sp- spend time doing something you enjoy you're going to want to like I said go back to the well and keep doing it and keep tipping in and you, you might not have those you know really exciting goals down the track but you knock over that enjoyment day in day out and that helps yeah totally right like I was always a sports tragic as a kid like I like park me in front of a TV yeah. I can't normally sit still but if there's sports on the TV it could be anything I'll, I'll watch it like and I was always interested in sports so having that seeing the transfer between sport, exercise, and those kind of things, I, I just you just enjoyed it, and it was, yeah. it was it was good, and you see those personal gains that you're getting, and you feel good about yourself, and obviously endorphins and those kind of things, and I think it really helps with my mental side of things as well. Like yeah. it's it's a real outlet for me. I think it became a real outlet, and it still is to this day. Awesome. Moving from I guess the weight loss journey to your marathon. Yeah. How, how did you make that decision to? What possessed you to want to run a marathon? Um, so what kind of happened was um, progress from the cross trainer kind of just... There used to be like there's certain workouts you do on the cross trainer and like I was going to the gym and running for like 60, 70 minutes on the cross trainer. Yeah. And quite boring, obviously. But and then like I decided um, 
I think it would have been back in 2012. Yep. Uh, my sister, Marley, who was running a little bit at the time too, said, hey, why don't we sign up and do like this little fun run and stuff like that too. So I thought, yeah, why not? Let's give it a go. Like I've never done anything like this before. It seems to be like the natural progression for me to have a go at. So yep. I think it was the city, city to Sea, which is basically from St Kilda down to Albuquerque, 10, 14k yep. at the time, all the way ends up in Elwood, and I thought, yeah, I'll, I'll give it a go, and so did. I thought did training for it. So the training that I was doing for it, I used to still do the cross trainer stuff, and then on the Saturday I used to just go for what probably was the long run. I used to just do that kind of thing, and I just wanted to make sure I covered the distance before I did it, and yep. I was able to do that and had a real positive experience on that day, and awesome. Um, I think 72 minutes, I think, was the time, which was pretty good. And at the time, I was starting to... Um, I'd kind of gone away from going to my own gym and I was going to a, a one of another gym in Mornington, Hanley's, and yep. I stro- stroke up a good relationship with one of the personal trainers there. And uh, they did a lot of running and their kind of programming and stuff like that. And uh, Di, who was one of the uh, trainers at the time, said, you've got, like, a really good endurance. Like, like you're a good runner. And, like... To have someone say that to you, and you kind of think, yeah. what, so, like me, a good runner, like kind of thing, like I've never run before in my life, like I've always kind of, even at footy training and stuff like that, when you have to do the time trials in the pre-season, I thought, used to hate it, but once someone tells you you've got a talent for it, you're not, not a talent, but you, you're good, you're at, good it, at it, then yeah. you think, well, uh, I've actually got something here to work with. So from that kind of point in time, and um, I met a guy called uh, Paul Vosti through footy, and he had this fantastic like community of runners called Icarus that I, he kind of said, hey, we run and we do this kind of thing. Um, why don't you come along kind of thing to do this this running? And they had a real kind of community atmosphere and they ran every Sunday out of Frankston and they did long runs and there was a small group of runners but yep. like-minded people just trying to get better at their running and that was a really positive experience. Um, Marathon-wise kind of just progressed through like did a lot more fun runs and that kind of thing and and then um at the end of 2012 i come up with this crazy idea that i I wanted to run 2013 kilometers in 2013 as you do as yeah like (laughs) and that's excellent yeah it was some i don't know i saw i I can't remember why what triggered to me i think we were talking about i might have been on the new year's eve or something like that and we we were talking about it and what's your new year's resolution i kind of said I might have a crack at running 2013 Ks for the year. And my mate at the time, Will, goes, well, I'm going to try and eat 2013 chicken wings. <laughs> Which was an interesting... <laughs> interesting it's an interesting contrast. Contrast. And I said, yeah, I'll, I'll have a crack and see how I go. And um, The marathon was just a part of that kind of year and yep. was lucky enough to knock over two marathons that year in the space awesome. of about 14 weeks. So. Yep. I flew up to the Gold Coast and did one up there, which is, funnily enough, happening today, there which you go. is pretty crazy, um, in July in the school yep. holidays, which is always good, and it's a fantastic event up there, if you ever get a chance to run any time at that event, they've got half marathon, 10k, kids events and stuff like that, fantastic, I think it's the best marathon in Australia, yep. um, and then was lucky enough to have a go at Melbourne, probably 12, 13 weeks later, and yeah, and did some real specific training and stuff like that through the guys through Icarus. So they had a bit of a running coach and able to give me a bit of a plan and was able to map out what I was trying to do. I had a little, I think I did a half marathon probably at some point as well yep. in 
must have been 2012 as so well. So planned it out. Planned it out. Had, ex- a, had executed. A, executed the plan and Good. was actually specific running training and I was doing like 50, 60, 70 k's a week at times and yep. like long runs on the weekend doing like like 30 k long runs on the Sunday at, at, at race pace and or just over and yeah like reps and it was like a real specific real proper like training plan and was yep. able to stick to that as much as I could and you see your progressions and like there's some tough sessions I remember like I used to go to Paul's house or Munch's house and we used to do 1k reps at some ridiculous time in the morning around your street in Mount Eliza I don't know if people ever saw us but like tough sessions doing like 14 1k splits on four minutes and it's I wouldn't want to do that no it's it's, <laughs> it's tough it's tough and like to think to yourself too and looking back at it too thinking geez running 17 k's in the morning before like going to work and stuff like that you just I just Sometimes I shake my head at it now, just thinking, crap, how, did it, how do you do that? How does the body adapt to that? But you got it done. You get it done. Yeah, you do. You get better and you just, as I said, that stubbornness kicks in for me and want to stay true to the course and, and try and finish yep. what you set out. I think you talk about, you speak about it the what, like, as well, like, like, staying true to your word. Yeah. I think it's a big thing for me. Like, if you say, if you set out to do something, I'm the kind of person that wants to do it kind of thing. Yeah, awesome. That's really cool. What was different between the first marathon and the second marathon? Not a lot had probably changed in that yep. time. Um, I probably learnt the first marathon, um, and it's uh, nutrition and hydration is a big thing. Yeah. I remember I was, and pacing too, all those kind of things. Um, I haven't actually been able to uh, nail a marathon as of yet. Like I've either cramped or just blown up mentally yep. where I haven't uh, and to finish strong at the line and that's one thing I still want to tick off the bucket list yeah um, so you'll do another one at some point in time too um, I might have I don't know I'm, I'm thinking Melbourne but I may run my um, dash a little bit late this year but at some point I think I'll have another crack to um, try and break the elusive three hours 30 minutes barrier which is five minute case yeah um which is something that I think I can achieve. My PB at the moment is 3, 33, 33. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's 5 3s, which is, which is pretty cool. Yep. I would maybe like to keep that as my PB. But, <laughs> um, yeah, just to go under that barrier and break 3.30, which is yep. kind of like a big thing for, like, the weekend warrior style runners. <laughs> the weekend warrior, the running community. Yeah, so I think you just learn a little, a few things from time to time. Um, yeah. At Gold Coast, I probably went out too hard and I was probably, I was flying, like I was way ahead of schedule and I set myself to run with the 330 balloon, yeah. which uh, people don't do a lot of running at these big events, they have paces, which is their job and they're employed to run at a certain pace to get people through at, at certain a certain times. time. Yep. So I, in the scramble at the start, you always a lot of people to try and work through, but 2Ks in, you try and get a bit of open track and you try and work out where you are and try and find find where you want to stand so I was with the 330 balloon for a lot of time and felt good and then thought oh I felt really good and just wanted to run and got ahead of the balloon and then yep. I thought great I'm feeling really really good here and um I was wearing a fuel belt at the time I was carrying a gel and those kind of things and I probably wasn't hydrated enough just thinking back to it now and yep. those kind of things and I got to about 32k and I just started cramping because the weather's so different to what it is up there. Like, just the heat got to me a little bit and yep. started cramping in the calves. And the last six Ks was a run walk and really faded towards the end. 
Um, gets to Melbourne, so you do another block of training. You try and work on these things and yep. try and get through and learn from the first. Learn one. from the first one. Um, uh, ran with Paul again, who he was going to pace me that time. The first time around, I, I probably he was going for a faster time. So the second time around, he said, "All right, I'll pace you." And to this day, he still reckons he's done me the right thing. But I reckon he's <laughs> probably he's probably paced, I, I still think that he's burnt me a few early. And, didn't leave a light in the tank there but on that yeah. course you probably have to be a little bit ahead of schedule because the last six k's can be a bit tough because you come around the shrine and have to run up the hill and, yeah. you, and come even come back up St Kilda Road is a bit of a hill so you've got to you've got to leave a little bit in the tank or got to be a bit ahead of schedule um, I got to about 30 that it's that 32-34k mark and if you read any marathon or just any runners kind of report on the on the marathon it's always at that point where it's just just plays on your head and stuff like that, and you've done the caves and you've done all the work, but it just plays on your head. And I, I was physically, I was fine. It was just mentally that it shot me. And yeah, to to Paul's credit though, he did get me to a point where I was able to, I walked, and then I was still half a sniff to really get moving again to try and break three thirty, but kind of just fell off the wagon a little bit. And then once I realised it was out of reach, I kind of just made sure I wanted to beat my time from. Um, from the Gold Coast and was able to do that three, by about three, 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 yeah, three. three. So I was able three. to break that by about four minutes, which is doesn't seem a lot in terms of a marathon, but I was still half stoked with PB. Anytime you run a PB in the kind of endurance of event, this is a, is a massive win. It was a really good day. Like I got to run with one of my childhood heroes for a lot of the run, Robert Harvey. Awesome. Um, that was yeah, a really cool experience running along with him and people saying, hey, is that Harbs? And it's like, yeah, I'm running with Harbs. And Palsy. And Palsy, yeah. And, <laughs> yeah, but... He he's next level like he beat me that day off no base and was able to smash out like a three twenty marathon. He's a crazy human. Crazy like obviously AFL player, elite endurance and stuff like that. Yeah. But yeah, crazy to think about. What came after the marathon? <laughs> I thought marathons, <laughs> I thought, what what can I do next? Just a marathon, what's Just next? Just a marathon. So I thought and um well, what's next in the progression chain, really, when you think of marathons? You've got um, triathlon. Yeah. I thought, oh, yeah, triathlon. I always kind of thought that'd be cool. I remember growing up as a kid, Wild World of Sports, they always used to show this thing called Kona. And I kind of had, yeah. and I've had some people that I've known through my life kind of do these triathlon things and always kind of been at the back of my mind. Yeah. Uh, lucky enough, when I was running in Frankston, I was able to go down there a couple of times and my relationship with the crew at Hanley, one of the trainers over there, did did it two years in a row. And one awesome. year I went along and supported him and got really behind it and went up to the finish line and seen him finish. And I don't know, there was just like this atmosphere. And I, I remember her saying at the time, like I come away from there and I just wanted to do like a hundred push-ups. It just instilled you with so much confidence and to yep. see people coming down that chute. Um, I don't know. Makes me feel funny sitting here now. I've got like goosebumps coming up on the back of my yeah. neck. Just I don't know if anyone's ever crazy been vibe. to it. Yeah, oh, yeah. it's the best vibe. If you want to like try and learn anything about the human spirit, I reckon go to a marathon event or go to an endurance event and go to the end and just see the joy that it brings to people. And um, yeah, I went there and I said, oh, "Crap, this is awesome! Like, how how do you do this kind of thing?" Like I said at the time, I feel like doing like a hundred push-ups or something. Yeah, like, this is like ten thirty. No kind of thing I was like <laughs> yeah. oh what's this and 
so we get through 2013 on the back of like doing these kind of marathons and with the Ironman kind of thing you have to sign up the year before so it would have been 2013 I would have signed up to do the 2014 Ironman in Melbourne yep well I think I can't even remember when it is when it was I think it's around April so I signed up a year from that in the midst of doing all that marathon running and stuff like that too so signed up in April of 2013 and I thought that makes sense I'll I'll have a crack at that kind of thing. And For those that don't know, how far is an Ironman? Ironman triathlon is uh, the longest form of... Well, one of the longest form of triathlon. So it's a 3.8k swim, 180k bike, and a marathon to finish, so 42. Just plug on to the end. Yeah, just, just to finish off your day. Yeah. Um, yeah, so <clears throat> seeing that and thought, oh, yeah, couldn't be that. <laughs> couldn't can't be that bad. Can't be that bad. <laughs> people told me I the guy who did it said I could do it so but I really didn't start riding my bike to like October or something like that and I'd never done any riding before and I didn't even have a bike until that <laughs> point in time and um yeah we just concentrated on the running and stuff like that it wasn't until I finished like um the second marathon that I got stuck into a bit of riding and stuff like that too yep. and, and you'd done some swimming in the past oh yeah a but little bit. a little bit but I was just swimming laps like endurance training or endurance events require more than just <laughs> volume yeah so course. I was just swimming swimming for distance yep. which is fraught with danger in terms <laughs> of looking back at it now being like having a bit more experience and doing a bit more edu- learning more about the, the things that people do and then yeah just yeah it, it, the way I approached it I scratch my head now thinking about how I was able to achieve what I did now the day. term you've used in the past is you winged it Flat out, flat out winged it on. Flat out wing it. No coach. As I said, didn't get a bike till October. Was swimming what I thought was enough. <laughs> but uh, everything else suggests that I wasn't riding nowhere near enough. I was maybe doing enough running at the time, but yep. probably not the right time. One of three. One, One of three. three, yeah. Yeah, that's all right. How, how, talk, talk me through that day. How did it pan out? How'd you, how'd you go? Did you get it oh. done? Like, even, like, to, I think my longest ride at, to that point in time was, like, 115 k's, and I was gassed at the end of that. Like, I was cooked. I was a broken man. Yeah. I don't know if there's many riders in the Virtus family, but riding is a just a unique beast in terms of what it can do to your body. Like I've done one weekend of it, 200 k's in two days, and I'm not looking forward to starting it back on a bike again. <laughs> it's an interesting sport, and... Um, just it doesn't have it, a lot of people think. Oh, why would you cycle and stuff like that too? It, it's something that's either it's really polarizes people. I guess if you're in the community, you think, yeah, this is great kind of thing. But yep. I know they're a nuisance on the traffic and stuff like that too <laughs> at times. But yeah, people just don't type really understand what what uh, those elite guys and stuff go through in terms of what they put their body through and the effects the cycling has on body. You're riding three four hours. You, it's Hydration, nutrition, all that is very, very important. You'll see the guys, if you're watching the Tour de France over the next couple of weeks, they're always yep. eating or drinking something to just get their calories up because it's yep. a massive, massive calorie burner. Like, so much energy. So much energy. And if, if I was had my time again, you'd almost would say you're better off, instead of doing the cross trainer, probably better off sitting on an exercise bike than anything like that too. But, or both. Or both, or, both. or it's just doing a combination. Definitely. Of things. But yeah, oh, Iron Man, what a day. <laughs> Very long day at the time. Um, oh, I was, remember I was real nervous. 
and really strange to sleep in your own bed the night before and then just rock up to Frankston like yeah that's like this big thing and like it's it's in your backyard kind of thing you think crap this is um this is good and the build up to an Ironman is a bit strange because you have to go and like you check in at St Kilda yeah and then you kind of have to drop your bike off the day before and even things like like I've got no knowledge of a bike like and like how like I remember like I didn't even know how to pump my tires up at one stage and stuff like this and I was rocking up on the day and I was lucky to have one mate that I knew that was doing it as well who was a bit of a whiz and Marty um, and he, I said mate can you just please check my tires because I don't <laughs> I don't really know what I'm doing That's like so I didn't even, I still I to this day that I you meant to be able to change a tire yeah I, I wouldn't know what to do at this I'd probably work it out yeah but it'd take me a bloody long time but and I had all the equipment that were able me to do it and funny story on the day which I'll probably get to um, had a bit of a, a malfunction on the bike yep. and yeah but to this day I, I'd probably work it out now but nowhere near as competent as I should be for the amount of riding I was doing my always attitude was oh, I've got my phone I can always ring someone to come pick, pick me up kind <laughs> of thing but that doesn't happen on you can, race day. you can always outsource yeah you can, can always, always outsource, outsource. Yeah. and that actually did happen on the day which is somewhat strange because all the reading I did um of the rules and stuff like that. So you're not allowed to get any outside assistance, but I'm very thankful that the guy on the motorbike come past and changed my tyre for me. <laughs> but I'll get to that. So, um, <laughs> swim, swim's always, I don't know if anyone's seen a, an endurance swim event. Um, physical. Physical. Intense. Yeah, it's very intense. Um, like say triathlon, you've got to learn to swim with fists because you can get, it's on the mass start ones it can be a bit messy and stuff like that. I was under the presumption that I was I was just going to go to the back and I'm just going to cruise I'm not in there to try and win so there's no point in me clogging up everyone else's space yeah um so I had a friend at the time and we just said yeah we'll just stick at the back and just let them all go off so at this stage in Frankston so it would have been 2014 it was still a mass start so that means everyone in the field gun goes up bang you run at once in the water yeah and the course at Frankston that day was you go, you're starting, if I'm looking out of the water to the pier, you start on the left-hand side of the pier and you're out to the end of the pier in a round and it was a massive L shape and you come back in kind of thing. Quite a good course. And I just remember bang and you, um, you're in the water. Yep. The, the first probably 500 metres was a bit tough to try and find some open water. And I thought, uh, and found some open water which is very thankful and you just kind of get into a bit of a rhythm and just keep telling yourself like you just keep going keep going keep going and all that training that I did probably wasn't enough at the stage but I got through and my time actually wasn't that bad looking Good. back at it now and I'd always done a little bit of swimming as a kid like nothing serious or anything I like I did a bit of like surf life saving going yep. through school I was an okay swimmer I was a competent swimmer put it that way but just I would have just work my way through it. Like technique was probably awful, but just got through. Um, stopped a couple of times, and you always kind of have a little bit. You get a little bit disorientated and stuff like that too in the yep. water. And got out, and it was great. Saw all my family and friends, and um, got out of transition and headed off on the bike. Um, thought, okay, here we go. How's um, the body feeling at that point? Ah, uh, yeah, you're not too Pretty bad because yeah. it's as I said, no. A little bit tired, and yeah. I was kind of under the think like if I can use my arms predominantly in the swim, you're not going to really need them for the rest of the day, kind of solid thing. tactics. So, so yeah, and you wear a wetsuit to salt water, you're more buoyant. Yeah. So, got a bit more 
extra kind of leverage there in, in yep. terms of the water. Like, you've got a bit of an advantage there. So, felt really, really good. Um, and then jumped on the bike and everyone else is wearing all these, like, these fancy suits and I'm in like transition just putting on a pair of bike shorts <laughs> and a bike jersey <laughs> yes. kind of thing and I just had my pockets loaded up with all my nutrition yep. I thought oh yeah I'll just chuck some things in the back of my shirt I'll, I'll be right I'll be right and um <laughs> uh, and jumped on the bike and that year it's up and down the East Link a couple of times so yeah uh, you ride out of Frankston on the yeah, past Seaford Road and jump onto the East Link and you're riding up and down the East Link twice. So you ride all the way through the tunnel, through the tunnel at the other end of the East Link, spin around and come back and you have to do that twice. Um, the wind heading out towards East Link was great. You got a bit of a, a tail and it was good and it's, it's not as flat as you think you are as in a car, so it's a bit undulating, yeah. which is a little bit um, interesting because in a car, it seems dead notice. flat the whole yeah. time you don't notice. So... Great on the way out, come back, wind was starting to pick up, so you get through and stuff like that too. So got through, spun around, and like, geez, are you thinking, crap, when's this going to end? And like, lap two. Have lap two. Like, I thought, all right, I've just got to save myself something in the tank. And I remember coming back on the first lap, I thought, hey, I could just ride home here and no one will even know. <laughs> <laughs> like, you, you get some interest, you learn a lot about yourself on yeah. the day kind of thing going through and... You see all your family and friends. I remember I thought I started crying, and I was like, "I've still got no lap of this on? shit. Yeah. What is going on here?" So, right, you turn around in Frankston at the main roundabout there, and you come back, and everyone's cheering for you. You think, "Fuck, I've got to go do this again," kind yeah. of thing. So you're out, and I thought, "All right, I've got the wind to my advantage here." So I knocked down a couple of gears on the on the bike, and just thought I'd try and conserve a bit of energy. Yeah. Um, and. Um, uh, got to the other end and then coming back it was, it was, the wind got even up again and you're pushing into a massive kind of kind of tail breeze or head breeze and you're thinking crap when when is this going to end going to end and then for some reason it came good yep. and like I was just making up my nutrition along the go I had protein bars I don't even know what else I was having I probably wasn't drinking enough water yep. you grab stuff on course and you think oh yeah that'll be fine that'll do that'll do I'll take a bit of that flat coke whatever you could get your hands on kind of thing yep and then I was starting to make some ground back up. I think, what's going on here? Like, this is my, like, I'm probably 30 k's past, like, my max ride. And I started feeling really, really good. And I was like, crap, it's coming really, really good. And I got all the way back to almost Frankston. And I remember I was coming near Seaford Road, turn off on the freeway there. Yep. I crossed over, like, the middle part of the road and bang, I get a puncture. No. I'm like, oh, I'm seven k's out. <laughs> From, from transition. 173 k's yeah, down. Yeah, 173 k's down and I get a puncture. I'm like, oh, fuck. I was, like, I, was, I was like, oh, no, what do I do? So hop off my bike and I'm like, people are asking if you're right. I said, yeah, yeah, I'm good, I'm good. And then I didn't realise I was starting panicking. I actually don't know what I'm doing here yeah. kind of thing. Like, crap, what do I have to do? Like, what do I do? And then one of the guys, okay, and the riders kept going past you, right? I said, oh, I don't, I don't know what I'm doing. And he's like, what, what do you mean? I go, I seriously don't know what I'm doing. And at this point, this guy jumped off his bike and yeah. he goes, oh, I'll give you a hand. I'm like, thank you so much. Like, I don't know, but all of a sudden, this guy comes flying through on a motorbike like one of the course marshals. Yeah. And he goes, don't worry about it. Let it go. I'll do it. Yeah. So at this stage, I'm off my bike and he goes, all right, I'll give you a hand. I don't know. I said, oh, thanks so much. And I think the rule with, with Ironman trials, you're not allowed to have any outside assistance. So yeah. 
he was obviously inside his sister. So he's luckily he come past at the time. Otherwise, I could have been. I was, all these thoughts are swirling through my head. Do I have to like run my bike back to transition <laughs> the last seven k's? I'm yeah. like trying to work out what I'm trying to do. And, I'm yep. like, and this guy on the motorbike comes in and he saves gnarly. the day and right gets the tire on and gets it fixed and we inflate it. Bang, we're away. And then all of a sudden bang again there was actually like a rock stuck in my tire oh, so no. the second tube I'd put in just popped it popped again and I'm like oh no I don't have another tube I'm stuffed I'm gone I'm yeah. in and then I remember to this day the guy goes go for a walk have a stretch just walk down the road yeah. have something to eat have something to drink I've got a spare tube I've got a spare tire I'll fix it for you yeah. so all up and probably about half an hour on the side of the road but probably probably saved me in terms of it was a forced rest Yep. Essentially, so it's probably a good thing in the end um, to be able to um, have that rest. So I got back on the bike, and from that point time, I was just angry. Like, <laughs> I, was like, this, oh, I was like frustrated, frustrated, yep. and um, uh, frustrated, and I was like angry. And I said, "Oh, I've got a puncture." And I remember, I rolled into transition, and people saying, "What's wrong?" and stuff like that. Yeah. I said, "Oh, I've got a puncture," and I was like, "Yeah, yeah cool." And I've still got to run a marathon. I've still got to run a marathon too, and so get off and have a drink and get changed and I thought oh here we go run this is me I've been running I did 2013 k's so ran off and I was running angry and I thought oh yeah I'll just keep going and I remember all my family and all my friends were there and my sisters were going crazy going yep. yeah you can do this and I was like I said I said to my sisters at the time it, it's 2k's into 40 just try and pump the brakes here I've got a, <laughs> I've got a long time ago exactly. I'm running into I'm running out of Frankston at that point in time Yeah. and I remember I ran my first probably eight, nine, ten k's really, really well, and I ran them like in fifty-one minutes, which is so ticking really, over, ticking like five-minute k's, which is my marathon pace. Yeah, I think, oh yeah, I'm I'm home here, <laughs> like I'm gonna, easy day at the office, and then all of a sudden easy I just fell in a massive, massive hole, like to be uh, expected. Yeah, like massive hole, and just thought, oh no, <laughs> tried running, like I don't know what was happening. Like, I was in a dark spot. I was still dirty that I had a puncture and stuff like this. And yeah, the good thing about the course at Frankston was that you could able to move freely with cars on the other side of the road. So I had all my family and friends around me. And I remember I was having a conversation to um, Di, who was a trainer at the time at Hanley. She yep. said, like, you just got to let it go. Like, you got 30Ks to go. Enjoy yourself. Run, yep. run happy. Run with a smile. Who cares if you've got a puncture? You're out here. Got to live in the moment. Got to move forward. And I said, good. Yeah, you're right. And then kind of thing, I was like trying to work out a strategy in my head that would get myself going. And I was like, maybe do I run a K, walk a K? And I was run walking and I was trying to find a strategy that worked. I remember I got to Morty Alec and then I ran 10Ks really well and then fell off the wagon and I was running, walking, no real pattern emerging. And yep. I thought, oh crap, I need to go to the toilet. And I'd been arm and arm if I needed to go. And there was a port loo at Morty Alec and it was a bit of a fan centre where people could watch. And so I took the opportunity to go to the toilet. And to this day, Dad says the look on my face going into the toilet as to coming out of the toilet was amazing. Because <laughs> <laughs> I've just done a complete turn of events. And I thought, all right, there was some food there. I loaded up and then I just kind of come up with a strategy that I wanted to like walk 500, run 500. And from that point in time, all yep. the way up to St Kilda and Elwood, I was able to hit that plan and I was able to, and I'd set my watch, having the smartwatch to beep at me every 500 metres, yep. and I was able to do it. And awesome. Just got through that way and was able to come down that finishing shoot and 
it's it's an amazing experience just to have your name and just come down that finishing shoot and I remember at the end of it they were like oh did you hear like the famous words Jared Pulsar you are an Iron Man I said yeah it was really good but I didn't know at the time and Mike Riley the voice of Iron Man who gets flown out to all these events just to say this for, for eight hours finishes, everyone yeah. finishes kind of things to come down the shoot <clears throat> he's like they, man they talked about your bio he said like Jared Pulsar once was 130 kilos now he's an Iron Man and he's That's like awesome. this yeah this, this feeling and like just coming down that shoot and like just have this rush of adrenaline and like I sprinted down that shoot like going into the mow and I gave a massive fist pump as I come across the line and like finished it and I was just like oh whoa That's <laughs> like awesome. this is crazy like I've, I've done it I've set out this stupid goal and achieved it and I was able to finish in that 13 hours 33 minutes I think which is your number <laughs> yeah that's 33 is the number yep. keeps coming up so yeah finished and like I said to myself during the day I'd prefer like how long do you think it's going to take some people ask me I said realistically I've got no idea but if I said I reckon I'll be somewhere between 12 and 14 hours and yep. 13 30 was a pretty good guess if you good. take away that 30 minute stopover with the bike it would have been 13 hours so it would have been smack bang on 13 hours that's so awesome. it's a fantastic sport triathlon if you people out there and don't know what to do with their time or want to have a go at something new it's such a good sport and it's unfortunate that it's probably an older seen as an older style sport so there's a lot more participants that are 35 40 plus than there is participants that are 18 to 30 kind of thing yeah well, like it's probably it's very, a pretty good sport to get into like yeah. for those for the guys that play footy and netball and team sports and, and field based sports that need something to get them moving after they they retire because of injuries or or they're not able to play that level anymore it's probably a, it's probably a pretty awesome sport to, to yeah, get involved in absolutely and I would well, it's just such a great community feel in that sport and the amount of different people that come and have a go at it it's just fantastic you get a lot of support along the way people are lovely so yeah. it's a really really good sport so was one enough? Uh, at the time I said yes but stupidly I thought <laughs> I may as well try and do this properly the second time around and good. decided to get a coach and I thought oh, I reckon I've got I've left some time out on the course there so I wanted to have another crack at it and um, at that point in time I signed up for Melbourne or Frankston again yep. which would have happened in April of 2016 so I had a I think I had a year off and did some more running and prepared uh, a little differently. Pre so. Prepared, yeah, a lot differently. So what happened was I decided to do it properly and um, yeah, yeah. So yeah, going back to the, like the first story too. The first actual triathlon I ever did was a half Ironman, which is half distance of what we talked about before. Yep. And <laughs> that's big for a first. That's one. big for a first one. People like <clears throat> tell my story to people and try to scratch my head and I just think what are you doing kind of, thing, kind of thing so second time around I decided to join like a triathlon club and yep. get a coach and have a plan and did it that way the second time around and um, yeah I was able to learn a lot more through that process it was a lot more structured training doing reps and running off the bike and yep. swimming technique and understanding a little bit more about more more all about, of the different things yeah that and it. like endurance sports nutrition hydration massive part of it they say that it's the fourth leg of any kind of endu yeah. endurance yeah. 
leg and if you don't get that right then you're going to have a bad day and I'm still yet to get it right so it's an ongoing kind of experience and yep. you've got to make sure that whatever you're going to do on the day you've done previously and yep. all these kind of things so yeah decided to have an, another crack again um, as I said signed up for Frankston which would have been 2016 yep. um, they I made a decision that due to the Grand Prix um, clashing with it that they canned it and there's a number of reasons or rumours floating around why that happened yep. uh, apparently it wasn't selling as much and stuff like that so I was a pretty shattered man when I found out that was going to happen because um, they are expensive to, to do and time shifts all your focus and stuff like that like as crazy as it sounds you sign up to these things and it costs you like a thousand bucks to do and yep. you think oh crap I've burnt my money here a little bit or all this time and energy that I've invested to it so Ironman gave you the opportunity to go do any other open Ironman in the world um, did a bit of research and found out Cairns was in a similar time and yep. stuff like that there was one in Perth in Bustleton in WA which I could have done but it was probably a little bit too early in terms of where my training was at the moment so I made a decision to push back that time to have a crack up in Cairns and um, yeah I just got through my training a little bit um, it was at this point that my body probably started to let me down a little bit I was getting a bit injured in terms of uh, running and stuff like that and people say that the biggest uh, biggest part of triathlon training or Ironman training is just getting to the start line and unfortunately picked up a few niggles along the way particularly my Achilles and stuff like that which yep. cost my run a little bit and Do I wasn't increase in volume or yeah, yeah a number of things just probably just the accumulation of all the training I'd done previously yep. and I'm, I wasn't a big person to do recovery properly and these kind of things too but my Achilles got really really sore and I probably wasn't allowed I probably didn't do it any long running over 20 25k's for a long time of my training and relied on just doing some shorter stuff yeah which which was fine and you can do there's many ways to train for an Ironman people do it on numerous hours of training people spend 6-7 hours a week other people can spend 20-21 hours a week so there's no one method to what you're trying to do but yeah so I had a real good coach uh, Mitch Kibbe who was uh, coaching out of the CF Racing Stable, which is now I4 Coaching. Um, yep. He's a triathlete himself, um, followed a similar trajectory from what I have, like kind of self-taught and got involved that way. And he has his ITU kind of racing, so he races all around the world. Awesome. Um, and he was a really good guy. I still keep in contact with him today. And he was able to teach me a lot about triathlon and how to train and all the little things that you don't actually know about that you kind of pick up along the way, like even as simple as like, putting like elastic bands in your shoes in transition for the for races so that they're on your pedals and these kind yep. of things so you don't have to run in your shoes and look like a goose. <laughs> he goes, if I'm coaching you, you're going to learn how to clip in and out your bike properly and stuff like that too. So yep. that was really good and I was really happy with where I was in terms of my training and swimming and unfortunately got a bit injured toward the back end there and probably my riding and those kind of things. We're in a good spot. I've done a lot more work and I was, I was excited to go up there and got to the day of the event in Cairns and I was lucky enough to have a, a friend up there and was able to stay up there with them before the race and yep. kind of settle in a little bit which was good and got up there and I woke up in the morning and uh, the, the weather gods weren't that kind to me All right, it, it was a bit of a wind, real windy day and the swell was up and the, the swims out of Palm Cove I don't know if people have been up, up north there and generally just like a lake Yep. Just flat, like well, flat, like your bath, but this day, the swell was up and 
really, really tough swim and the water was really, really salty. Um, got through the swim somehow in a similar time and jumped on the bike again and but it was a tough day on the bike in the rain and pretty windy. Pretty windy, the wind you get up towards the back end. So you ride from Palm Cove out to Port Douglas, pretty much back to Palm Cove or Palm Beach, whatever it's called, back to Port Douglas in the Cairns and was able to get through and um, everything can go to plan that day on the bike as well. At one point my seat got real wobbly so I had to jump off and fix that. I got put in the penalty box for drafting, um, which is, uh, I guess, I was too close to the rider in front of me, so it's like a five-minute stop-start penalty. And yeah. Kind of just got through, though. and I cramped, too, coming up one of the hills. So On the bike? On the bike, yeah. so my nutrition and hydration was out from the get-go. Probably riding too hard and just little things like that. I was able to get back into Cairns in a pretty good shape and then I remember coming out of the run and seeing my partner Jess and a couple of girls from work that come up Claire and Shona and just try to start running and I just had nothing I was yep. gassed I was like I was cooked the whole time and um, I thought crap this is going to be a long day <laughs> I was like oh no not again kind of thing yeah I thought I just wanted to run be able to run I had a plan to run like 5 minute 30 pace 5.45s and try to run I think I got 300 metres out of transition and just thought oh what am I doing? What am I doing? So, I remember walking for a little bit. Um, just to try and get moving, I thought, oh, I might have to walk this whole thing. But I kind of come good again and just went back to the default of the old walk 500 run, good. 500, and did that for 39Ks. That's <laughs> elite. <laughs> and strange things enough, like when I was the running side of things, like I was hitting about 7, 730Ks. So I was running like, the 500 metres like under five minute pace which, yep. and then walking for essentially five five kind of minutes so it was something that works for me and I was able to work my way through the triathlon and um, come across at the end of the day with another kind of like PB and um, it was yeah I was real happy like I just all I wanted to do was beat my time didn't have the best day conditions weren't to my favour but um, yeah, even like the pros suffered that day with the weather and stuff like that with the swim and the bike and yep. really tough day at the office. But to come away from a PB up there with those conditions was was oh, well, I was a happy man. So how was your, how was the feeling finishing in the second one compared to the first one? Same same thing. Oh, just as good. Yeah. Um, was disappointing because I I wanted to test myself on the same course to see how much I could improve with similar conditions. Just yeah, and. And the best part of that Frankston or that Melbourne Ironman was having my whole family and friends there. Yep. This time around, I was lucky enough to have Jess, um, my partner, and then three girls from work actually flew up and surprised me. That's and awesome. That was yeah. So I was so thankful. Having that support on course is is amazing, and like I don't know how people do it without having that kind of people checking in on you and and just pushing you along and having people there just seems to help you immensely and stuff like that yeah. so two marathons two Ironmans how much do you think those events have taught you about yourself and what are the main lessons you've got out of those oh, that's a good question um, I think I think a mantra from Ironman is that anything is possible yep. and I think that's a big thing if you really want something and want to work for it then I think I, I truly believe that anything is possible you can go out there and if it's exercise related or if it's personal life related, if you want to work at it and spend time and spend energy doing it, then you could really achieve anything that you want to do. 
Awesome. I think that's the big one that I take out of that. If, yeah. I think people look for a quick fix or in anything that we do, really, they want... We want it in now. In a materialistic world, they want it now kind of thing. But I think you've got to devote currency of energy and time and if you are willing to work and learn and be patient and do all these kind of things and tick the boxes along the way then the mantra from Iron Man is anything is possible and I'm a firm believer in that and it doesn't have to be perfect as your, no, your, not your experiences are going to show that there's going to be setbacks and there's going to be stuff that doesn't work like my, no... my journey and my path through these events uh, particularly the Iron Man side of things aren't probably traditional kind of ways of doing it um probably a lot more structured ways and a lot more linear ways that you can do it i've probably done it in reverse really i've kind of yep. gone to the peak of the mountain first and learned the hard way and suffered the hard way but if as i said before the if you want something and you're willing to devote that time and energy and sacrifice a couple of things along the way then there's no doubt that you can achieve anything or anything is possible awesome. why, do you, why do you think people fall short why do you think people don't i guess you said something that we've spoken about a lot is your ability to follow through with things if you say you're going to do something you do it why do you think so many people say they're going to do something and then fall off the wagon it's hard to really answer I think people it's just really hard for people sometimes life gets in the way and of course. And, and I think people look at it as, as in that block or whatever they go maybe six, eight, ten weeks if they miss, and I'm guilty of this too. I feel dirty when I miss a training session, and or like even when I I got really hard on myself and these kind of things. When I missed the training session, I got dirty, and because with tra- training peaks, it's all about having like your box turned up green when you completed it to standard and stuff like that. I yeah, I hated it when it was yellow or red when I missed a session and stuff like that because you're trying to follow through what you're trying to do. But yeah, I think I think people fall off the wagon because they might miss one session or they might think they're not doing it right but yep. I think you just it's just that you've got to have that consistency in yep. your approach like the sum of all the efforts right? yeah like yeah death by a thousand cuts or yep. a, keep pounding the rock until like oh, yeah you just can't walk away from something if you have a bad experience one time you, you got to learn and grow from it rather than just shutting up shop and letting it beat you kind of thing awesome it's really cool what happened after the Ironman so you've done two then how did your training and, and mindset and lifestyle evolve and adapt from that? Something that I think what happened uh, to this day, uh, it's something that I'm going to have to work on is I'm a, a little bit conscious about body image and stuff, that kind of stuff. And just if I'm not moving or not training, I have the tendency to blow out. And yep. it's just, it might be genetics, it's my metabolism, I have an underfunctioning thyroid where it stops me from... Well, my metabolism is pretty much shot so I've got to be really yep. careful with what I eat and the way I feel about myself and the way I perceive myself even just in the clothes that I wear and the way I feel can have a bit of a detrimental effect to my mental health and yep. obviously you don't want to you want to try and remain in a positive mind, mind frame or a mindset for a lot of the time so I noticed after the Ironman I went away to Bali with Jess for a couple of weeks and uh, the great man TKO'd and I said oh I'm thinking about doing something when I get back. Do you, like I've heard you've been going to this gym and seeing this stuff on online kind of thing. I said, yep. is it any good? And Lockie gave you a massive rap and oh, sorry, He's Tommy, Tommy TK album gave you a, a massive rap and said, yeah, head down here, mate. It'd be right in your kind of alley. You'd love it, kind of thing. And messaged you and I always thought I'd come back and wanted to have a bit of a spell. And if you broke it down, like between like 2013 and 2000. 
16, yeah. that period was pretty intense looking yeah. back at it now. Like, spent a no number of hours that. training no and one would argue. like K's on the road and like bike. And I just wanted to have a bit of a normal life and just settle into something that I hadn't done a lot of them before, which is I heard was here was very different to any other gym I'd been to. And I just wanted to try and I wanted to tell myself I just wanted to keep moving and yep. just come back to doing having some form of routine in terms of physical activity and exercise kind of thing. And yep. That's where I met you. and How did that adapt your lifestyle? How did you adapt your lifestyle to that different type of training and that complete change to what you were used to? Um, probably not a lot really had changed because the time, it's just time, it's time and energy. Like if you want to want to do it, then you do it. Like, the the one for me people that gets me is that I'm not a morning person I, I don't I don't no one's a morning person well, no one's until a morning, they get up until they get up yeah it really like you just you just get up like oh, I struggle to get up I've never really quite worked that out I understood what how some people really struggle with that kind of process of you just like turn your feet sideways and you stand up <laughs> kind of thing like there's not a lot stopping sometimes you sometimes like, that all that's all it takes yeah but, but, but people are just yeah. that crap they're like it's too hard and stuff like that it's too early but you can teach your, your body can adapt and, and these kind of things um, a lot not a lot had to change in me and I think I said that in my initial interview like I'm definitely like I'm able to train like I don't mind getting up early like yeah. training for an Ironman you have to kind of thing and sometimes you're doing two trainings a day and stuff like that and yeah. I just started slowly and I'd never really done any patterning or anything like that before yeah. and just come in here and, and really just fell in love with the place like just the vibe that it created and it was a lot different to anything else that I'd ever done before yeah and, and I guess the thing that I, f- I felt as though the reason why you kept coming back was that community and that vibe yeah and absolutely like that. and, you, and you had, you'd been involved in a lot of different communities yeah and still am up to that point and, and still involved in all those different circles why do you think that's so important to staying the course and being consistent and maintaining that if you've got people supporting you around you, you it's, you're going to be more likely to do, achieve what you set out to do yeah if you're a bit of a lone wolf or a bit of the Batman and tries to do everything on their own it may work, but if you've got people building you up, supporting you, helping you out along the way, it, it's going to make your life a lot easier in anything that you do, not just physical activity or exercise. Definitely. Anything that you do, like personal life, if you have a good close group, it doesn't have to be even a close group of friends. If there's people around there supporting you, you just... Like-minded people. Like-minded people, you yep. get in a good mindset, you have some banter and these kind of things, have a bit of fun along the way and, and you make friendships. and Everyone wants to help. Everyone wants to help and it just makes you feel good for helping other people, other people help you kind of thing and yep. just, just in that circle just keeps the kind of flow on and these kind the of circle things. circle of win. Circle of win, that's right. As Coach Cam calls it. Now, <clears throat> change, the, change the course of the conversation a little bit. You're a teacher? Correct, yes. Can we rub? Cure up, land of the asparagus, yeah, out there. <laughs> and iced coffee, apparently I learnt last week. Uh, per capita, Cure up <laughs> has the highest consumption of flavoured milk I've ever seen, I think. Fun, and the collection of hard rubbish. It's <laughs> driving out there every Monday, seems to be hard rubbish there. Play on, if you need anything, head to Cure up. Cure up on a Monday, I reckon. <laughs> How did you get into teaching and what made you want to be a teacher? That's a really good question. Um, as I said before, sports buff, sports tragic. Um, always wanted to do something with sport um, initially had my heart set on sports management yep. at the time and well, just going through school always thought I'd, I'd do that um, I knew I wanted to go from go to uni from, from a young age um, no one in my family had done that my 
uh, dad's tradie and yep. a lot of his family had been tradies and those kind of things too. So, so I thought whatever I wanted to do and I was able to always go okay at school. Uh, I really enjoyed school. I really loved learning and applying myself at school. So I thought I had the ability to do that and I thought, oh yeah, that seems like a good place to go and yep. from a young age. I thought, yeah, this is what I want to do. I wasn't sure, and then sports management popped into mine, and I thought, yeah, that, that sounds cool. Like, I knew I wasn't going to be good enough to become a sportsman at the time, so I thought, how can I be involved in that kind of industry? And sports management was one thing that popped in my head, and um, got talked out of that um, by a couple of different people just because there wasn't a lot of job prospects out there in terms of when you finished your course. There was yep. no really guaranteed work, and like, Financial-wise, it wasn't... Like, you had to work really, really hard to get your foot in the door and you had no guarantee of actually making a lot of well, money. But I didn't really do that much research into it and I kind of yep. thought, oh, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Like, yeah. And then I thought maybe sports journalism and then I realised I wasn't that great at English at the time. <laughs> so that quickly got struck off the list. And I remember having a um, meeting with the careers guy... At, at school at the time Mr Hall and Mrs Hall who was my PE teacher at the time and they kind of took me aside and they said have you ever thought about about teaching or anything like that because you still got your sports side of things and yep. I said that until that point in time I hadn't and I thought actually I think it was around year 11 or something like that and I thought yeah this sounds like teaching like I'd never thought about that before and yep as a kid at school, you probably don't tend to think about wanting to be a teacher because you're there all the time kind of thing. And I thought, that could actually work. I, I couldn't enjoy that. PE teachers, they seem to have, be the likable ones at school and, and these kind of things. And I thought, it's a good mix of what I wanted to do in terms of sport and yep. be involved in that kind of method. And was able to go through year 12 and get a good enough ATAR score and just missed out on going to um, Monash Peninsula with the course. Um, yep. uh just missed out going there and probably didn't pursue enough knowing what I know now about trying to get into that course through a couple of different avenues but got into a course up in Ballarat which was a Bachelor of Education slash uh, brackets physical education which was what, what I wanted to do and kind of kind of the first year was tough like living like in a like share house with a couple of different strangers and yep. uh, not having my license and just a di- trying to adapt to that whole uni kind of independence and but I think it was really really good experience for me because it really made forced me to grow up and um I think it really shaped me into the person I am and I was able to meet a lot of cool people at at uni and I think and I tell my students to this day is that you meet a lot of people at uni that have different life experiences to you and you're out of your echo chamber yeah 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 into the next one and I, I had mates at uni that were from different parts of Victoria, had different life experiences, some were a lot older than me, and like, I found it really, really strange, it was really hard to believe that I was actually one of the, like, there was only a small number of us that had come straight from like, year VCU, 12. Educa- year 12 education. So you went straight into, in the year after? Straight in the year after, and yep. yeah, kind of did that, and was able to get a good core group of friends, and you progress to uni, and do the things there, and you go out, and you have little, um, fits and spurts of, um, teaching and you get to the end of it and you get this eight week long block at a school and I, I still really really enjoyed it and I thought yeah this is for me like I, awesome. I, I want to do this like this would be a cool job like it's good yeah it's yeah. good good job 
can't complain. So, um, yeah. Um, How'd you get to Kui? Oh, this is, this is a strange story. I don't know if you know this one. Um, so, uh, generally there's a formal process to apply for jobs in the education kind of realm where you go through this online platform and stuff like that. But um, I was working for a landscaper at the time and my sister, who was doing a bit of athletics training, yep. uh, was coached by a teacher at Cooey at the time, Jared Burke. Now, uh, one day I got home from the landscaping thing and my sister Annie kind of said, Jared's given me this number, they're looking for a PE teacher at Cooey. And I've been a bit slack with getting in like job applications and applying to these kind of jobs. I wasn't worried because I had people like ringing me on the phone saying, hey, you should come to this kind of thing. Yep. I thought oh, I could always move if I had to kind of thing. But And then I got given this phone number and say, hey, call this guy. I think there's a job. So I call this call this person who was Peter Bottomley, the assistant principal at the time. And I said, hey, my name's Jared Pulse. I was kind of like real nervous at the time, passed on this information to you by Jared Burke, one of your teachers at the school, I heard you might be in the process of looking for a PE teacher. I was like, he goes, yeah, yeah, that's cool. We've heard a little bit about you. Um, so obviously Jared's... Your reputation proceeds. Yeah. Jared's put in a good word for me. I didn't know Jared at the time, so obviously he's told him something that uh, sparked the interest of uh, the assistant principal. And he said, oh, do you want to come in for a meeting or an interview? And I kind of thought, yeah, I'll come in. Just maybe wanted to show me around the school or something like that. And I said, oh... I can't come in tomorrow and this is a complete lie because my suit was dirty. <laughs> like I, my suit. I said, I've actually got another interview tomorrow and I, I just made up. He goes, oh, where? I said, oh, just the school with Dandy Norm. I said, I can come in the next day. So, so I kind of go into, I, like I didn't really know what to expect and generally there's a formal panel and stuff like this to an interview and he, on the phone, uh, Bots, who, we, who I now call him, he's no longer at the school, yep. said, oh, don't sign anything. I think I've got a job for you here. This is like, he hasn't met me. I've kind of yeah. said, what's, what's going on? So kind of go in, drive to Kurirup. Didn't even know where Kurirup was at the time. You kind of think, where the hell is this place? And it's actually not that far no. from the peninsula. It's only about 30, 30 minutes, 45 minutes from wherever you are, really. Um, head out there and think, cool, and have this interview. And all seems to go well. And I, I knew one of the guys there and he kind of showed me around the school. I thought, oh, this has gone really, really well. And kind of just got, wasn't really a formal interview. Like yep. I, thought, I didn't know what actually was happening. And just he said, oh, re- just to chat. And we ended up talking about Saints because yeah, I saw he had a lot of Saints memorabilia on the wall. And That's a big, cool big St. Kilda fan. I tried to engage in conversation in that. And yeah, he kind of asked me a few questions and I think just got a, I don't know, got a good feel about me. And he kind of said, oh, I'm pretty confident that you could fit in here. I've, I've got to go talk to couple of other people but I'm pretty confident I have a job here and I'll, awesome. I'll, I'll let you know by Friday kind of thing and this was real late into term four so I'd left my run pretty late so I was stoked with that kind of thing and then I remember I had my mobile phone with me in my pocket on that Friday it was meant to call and I was still working with the landscaper at the time yep just trying to get some cash for the summer and stuff like that and no phone call no phone call no phone call and strangely my dad was working at the same job site at the moment. That's how I kind of got the job. And it got to lunchtime and dad asked me, have you heard anything like that? And I was like, nah, I don't, I don't know Sitting what's going on. Staring, at, your phone staring at my phone all day, just hoping for it to ring. And then time ran around and I just remember um, phone call. He said, oh, congratulations, I can offer you a job. And I just like, 
Outstanding. Couldn't believe it. Outstanding. I just ran over to Dad and gave him a massive high five. <laughs> Good. Told the landscaper boys, that's it from me, guys, so I don't have to do this <laughs> I'm anymore. I'm out of here. I'm out of here. Like, thank you very much and, like, kind of thing. And, nah. And, yeah, was at, went to Kui and been there ever since, really, for, I think this is my seventh or eighth year in the job. And, yeah, it's, it's a cool school. I met a lot of lovely people there, a lot of close friends there now. And, it's been really, it's been a really big part of my life there now, kind of thing, like my whole kind of teaching career, and it's really strange. Like I've seen a, my original group of year sevens that I thought come progress oh, and through. go through a cycle and yeah. graduate year twelve, and awesome. kind of all start again now. And Must be a good feeling. It was, it was strange. Yeah, it was a very strange. You really got a bit emotional and stuff like that too, and you think, oh, like I've stayed the course here, and I might have made a difference to one or two along the way, which is all that, so. all that you hope for, kind so. of thing. Yeah. Yeah, I wouldn't be doing a very good job otherwise. <laughs> what is your role at Kui? What, what um, students do you teach? So, my official title is a bit of a mouthful. I am learning community, uh, Senior Learning Community Assistant. So, uh, the way our school is structured, we're structured um, vertically, uh, horizontally, so we go in year levels. So, we've got Year 7 community, Year 8 community, Year 9, Year 10, and they combine the top end with 11 and 12. So, I sit below a leading teacher who is in, in, the, in charge of the community, makes a lot of decisions, student management, and I help her and do a lot of the student management side of things yep. in terms of disciplining kids and mentoring kids that may not be going down the straight and narrow and just, just trying to help out the kids where I, where I can and just doing things for those senior, senior kids as well as other people in the role too. So, yep. yeah, that's it. And obviously teach as well and, and sometimes you forget that that's your main role at, at schools is that you are a teacher first and that's your main job so I teach um, qualified to teach both maths and physical education so this year I've got and it changes from year to year I've got uh, year 11 general maths uh, a VCAL intermediate which is year 11 intermediate personal development which is kind of an interesting subject to teach because yeah. you get a bit of scope about what you can do there and what you can actually teach your kids which is really cool um, also take, teach a year 8 PE which I share with the great TK Olden and he does the health side of things and uh, VCE vet sport and rec the unit 3 and 4s so that's really cool a TAFE course as well so I've got a bit of a mixed bag people always think what an unusual combination in terms of maths and PE but I love maths kind of thing I was always good at maths as a kid so that's you have that choice when you go going through uni you have to have a second method as a yep. secondary teacher a so class. I would pick maths because yep. I always thought I was okay at it and I thought getting into schools too that could be your foot in the door like you might have to teach maths first so you, there are always schools screaming out for like maths and science kind of style teachers as well so yeah maths maths and PE one of my favourite quotes and this is one from one of our mentors the last couple of years and someone I, I've continued to follow and read about uh, Mark Buckley if he ever listens his, one of his quotes was, you can't give what you haven't got and you can't share what you haven't experienced. How important is your journey and all, all of the obstacles you've overcome and all the things you've done in your new role as an educator, oh. your, your current role as an educator? Going all the way back to the start too, I think being a PE teacher too, I felt, uh, talking about health and nutrition as a PE teacher does, I felt sceptical in my own words and trying to teach these kids about things when I was probably... Saying, yeah, it's a healthy lifestyle, but it's probably completely doing the opposite thing early doors. So that that's probably was the driving factor. And I think a key thing with education is if you can build that rapport and build that like kind of relationship with that kids, 
yep. it's going to pay pay you back as a teacher tenfold later on. So just telling them about yourself, allowing them to learn about you and seeing them as, seeing, letting the kids try and work out who you are as a person and stuff like that. So yep. I use, well, I have used in the past my journey along the way of developed classes based on my running data and That's just cool. they want to, it, it just whatever you can grab them in by and yeah, like it's been a big part of my journey and um, as a teacher too, I've tried to use all the things that I've learned along the way and even things here at Virtus I'm trying to implement at school and stuff like that just so the kids see something new and exciting and try and just get them hooked in. If you can get them hooked in, then your job's a lot easier, so much easier. Like just that rapport, if you can get your foot in the door with them and it may just be a conversation you have in the yard or you ask them how they went at footy or just simple things like that and just it just opens up their world and they want to come to class they want to learn and it just makes your job listen pay attention if you can and it's hard it's a fine line because you don't want to be their friend either kind of thing so you've got to maintain that being that professional but it is it's a tough job it's a tough job but you learn skills along the way that they don't teach you at uni and some of the stuff that I look back at what I did at uni probably never used but it's all the little things that you learn and constant constant battle of just trying trying to make things better kind of thing and adapt and improve adapt and every improve time, every time yeah. you, and you get opportunities to do that which is wonderful but it's a strange job because essentially you come out of uni you get given the keys to the classroom and you're like <laughs> you're in charge you're in charge yeah have a, have a great time and you get no feedback like it's not like any of these kids yeah like you, yeah like <laughs> you get no feedback like there's no one else in the room like kind of looking at what you do yep you, you kind of come through this cycle and you, how, how do you know like how do I know am I doing a good job here like and I speak to the graduate teachers coming into the system all the time and they say you don't base yourself on their marks or anything like that. It, you can't make a judgment until that two, two three yep. years down the course until you've got some experience in the real world kind of thing yep. where, yeah, it's just it's a really unique job and it's it's a tough job and I don't think it's for everyone and people seem to think, and it's frustrating when we talk, oh, you get so many holidays and you're, <laughs> and it's a real, I, I've just learned to let it go now but yeah. as, a, as a, when I was a bit of a younger guy, I just, try and use the always defend myself and stuff like that it's yep. not worth the battle more it's there's more to it than 9 to three fifteen, which a lot of people still think it's crazy isn't it oh, yeah. I just, and you probably know too with KP and stuff like that too <laughs> there's a lot more work you've got for three weeks to yeah. reports <laughs> and oh, all, these, all the extra things that you guys spend <coughs> your time doing and you know I guess we've been lucky enough at Virtus to spend some time at schools and with schools and, and to teach the kids and I had but two days at Frankston High during the week, and I was cooked, and and dealing with all these all those kids uh, for that long, like credit to you because it's it's not easy and it's it's no. hard when when you've got you know twenty five different personalities there all all needing to learn in slightly different ways. So yeah, I think I was at a PD earlier last week, and he said like that you as a teacher you are making like a hundred thousand decisions a day yeah. about what you need to do and if you extrapolate that over the term like that's a lot of decisions you're making and like and it's just like you're just constantly having to make decisions about hey do I talk to that kid about his uniform or what's going on over there is that kid alright even just within the classroom you've got as you said 25 kids are they on track 
is that person struggling because they don't know or is it just because they're having a bad day? Yeah. Hey, that kid's over there's already finished his work. Is this work too easy? How am I going to extend them kind of thing? So, yeah. yeah, it's a tough job. As I said, not for everyone, but I, I love you it. You love it? I love it. Um, yeah, I couldn't see myself really doing anything really else or I always think I've got something to offer within that kind of industry always or that teaching. setting. Or, yeah, in some capacity, I think, I think. Yeah, I've got I've got a list of of jobs that seem or that would be significantly harder than they seem, or that people that I admire above all else: teachers, emergency personnel, and personal trainers, of course, because it's it's a tough life dealing with <laughs> a thousand different people all the time. Now nurses I'll, as well, I think. nurses. Yeah, I, yeah, I'll put them in the emergency personnel. Yeah, nurses, and I, I and think paramedics and, and policemen and yeah, that kind of crazy. stuff. I think nurses like. I've got a few friends that are nurses and yeah. just to see what they go through and just seeing like just when you kind of get a glimpse into their world like just if anyone gets sick in your community of people and you just think what a job and like how do they do it and they're probably I think they're the most underpaid kind of people 100%. I just 100%. don't know they put themselves through some rigorous hours and just dealing with everything like that'd be a crazy job like, I don't know how they do it and not yeah and just as a little sidebar, I don't put personal trainers in that category. Not even one little bit. We have it so easy. It's the easiest job in the world. But anyway, so one of the things I wanted to talk to you about, t- about today, but I reckon we'll probably save it for a, a whole other podcast, I want to talk to you about education and how the kids learn and how you, you think things can be improved and things like that. So I might get you back with maybe with TK at some point to, to chat about that. Yeah, for but sure. But to finish up, I have five questions for you. Yeah. And just... It can have everything to do with what we've spoken about or it can be completely random. What is success to you? I think if, if we go on what we've been talking about um, over this podcast, I don't even know how long we've been talking for. Me neither. But yeah, it's, it's gone quick. Um, I think staying true to your course and um, following through of what you set out to do, I think that's success. Yep. To me, that's what I achieve success. If you have a goal and you achieve it, that's that's successful. But I think it's okay not to achieve your goal too. If you've just spended enough time and energy and given it your fair crap, then that's fine. Like, if you've done all that you could to try and reach it and you fall short, there's nothing wrong with being just, just below your goal or something like that yeah. too. And the goalposts move sometimes. Sometimes yeah, you set fluid. out to achieve one thing and, and yeah, you're right, things are fluid so they might move to another thing and you, you knock that over and I think yeah, too many people stop and start and, and kind of maybe don't quite get to where they want to get to as quickly as they want to get to. I think it. in this industry too, and I have these quotes that I've had on my desk for a long time throughout my whole journey, and it, I think one that's, and that I try and tell people to all the time, people kind of ask me for advice and they ask, how do you do what you do? And I say, I, I don't really have any real secrets, I just go out. But one of the quotes I try and reel out to a lot of people is that... Um, Fitness is not about comparing yourself to others. It's about comparing to what you were previously. Yeah. And I think, I think that's, I think, in anything in life, I think we're too much, and I think it's up on the wall here at the moment. I think com- comparison is the... Thief of joy. Joy, yeah. yeah. And I think that's, particularly in today's society, I think... Social media. Social and media and like all that. these kind of things. If you want to play that comparing game, it, it's you're going to struggle. Because it's always going to end badly, yeah. And... and what people project on social media and these kind of things is just a snapshot or just a window to what they're going through. They might portray that everything's rosy and glorious, but you don't know deep down what, what they're actually going through and stuff like that exactly. too. And exactly. I think, unfortunately, even if we were talking about education and 
hopefully get an opportunity soon. Like a lot of these kids probably project that they're having a good time and deep down in social media is a good tool, but is also can be quite detrimental to a lot of things that we try to achieve as society as definitely. well. We'll definitely make that yeah, happen well that, in, a, that, in, in a couple of weeks. Yeah, for sure, for sure. If you could give Teenage Palsy one piece of advice, what would it be? Oh, jeez. Teenage. Uh, I don't know. It's a hard one. Um, I'd, it'd probably be something like, I, I'd probably wish I probably would have started this whole kind of health and fitness journey a lot younger than what I was. Probably hopefully didn't take me till I was 22. Yeah. Because I think deep down I, I was unhappy, but I always portrayed myself to be happy because as the big guy or the you're meant to be the quite jovial one I think it's quite easy to make fun of your weight and kind of thing and think yeah yeah I'm just that fat guy or stuff like that or that fat yeah. kid and stuff like too so um yeah just um just maybe try and say maybe start to think about what you're trying to do and what you're trying to set out and stuff like too just maybe all the information I know now or yeah. which I probably should have known when I was 15 or 16 yeah just having that knowledge base and knowing what I know now and how to work these things out and having that appetite for exercise and just yeah that ability to change myself having that information instilled in me from that young age probably would have helped would have helped a lot I think awesome what's the nicest thing you've ever done for someone I'm pretty lucky because I've listened to the the, the (laughs) previous podcast and Ah, this I knew this question was going to come, and I, I've been thinking about it all day. Um, I, I still I I can't answer that. I I, th- I think I don't think you can quantify just one nice thing for people. I like to think I do nice things for people all the time. Um, I think I like to I kind of run the attitude of um, what would I like in that situation if someone's going through like a tough circumstance or stuff like that. Even for me, like I, I just try to open doors for people or even just help people with. Uh, prams or children and, and, and these kind of things or yeah just just little things just to make job like even if you have to sacrifice a bit of your time or letting people go in front of you in lines and, and these kind of things it doesn't phase me and yep. stuff like that and just things you do for friends that you'd expect back in the same situation yep. like um, yeah like it doesn't have to be anything big and these kind of things but just yeah just being there for people I think is just just being not like that's yep. that's me like a like I'll be willing to help anyone kind of thing like I'd put myself I put my friends and my family and people that I really have invested time for before me like I think that was probably a bit of a detriment to my life like I would try and look after other people before I looked after myself kind of yep. thing which is a good quality to have but also probably was a bit of a factor to yep. what happened but yeah well you nailed the answer Thank you. Good from you. You were thinking about it all week. Yeah, I could really didn't know. You can't quantify something nice. Nice to someone is completely different to. They're not meant to be easy questions, mate. Oh no, <laughs> it's a good question. If you could give every human on earth one trait, one personality trait, what would it be? Empathy. Good. Very very good. Um. Yeah, if everyone had empathy and everyone kind of understood what people were going through and just done like saw people for what they are and what they're going through everyone would be on the same page exactly walk a mile in someone else's shoes yeah like you don't know how people are travelling and yeah empathy is a big part of my job as a teacher and they're just mentoring kids and talking to kids like if I'm not empathetic or at all my job would be completely I'd be an awful teacher if I had no empathy I'd 
I shouldn't be a teacher if you have no empathy, essentially. But I think that's a big one. Spot on. All right, now a couple of favourites. Yes. What's your favourite quote? I have a couple that I, I like. Um, uh, that fitness one that I rolled out earlier in terms of like... Um, it's got to be a different one, mate. Yeah, it's got to be a different can't, one. Can't recheck it. Uh, I like... I like uh, <laughs> why not? Uh, I like... Uh, losers always whine about their best. Winners go home and fuck the prom queen. I've always been attracted to that. <laughs> I think that that's... That's a good one. That's, a, that's from a Sean Connery quote. It used to be in a hardcore song. I used to really like as a kid growing up. Yep. Um, oh, this is a number of things out there. and uh, Another one from a, a band that I really like, Touche Amore, um, from a song called Tilled, which is, if actions speak louder than words, I'll be the most deafening noise you've heard. Good. Which is something that I kind of really like. and Yeah, kind of thing that I like. Oh, I don't... Uh, yeah. I think, too, I think I've got one on my Twitter bio which says, like, um, a superior man is uh, modest in his talk but superior in his actions kind of thing so kind of all about action and, action and making a change making a change yeah kind yeah. of thing there's a lot hey, I love quotes I could talk about quotes the whole time so. me too let's not get started no let's not get started favourite movie oh, I'm not a big movie person um, I have a couple of go-tos uh, I love <laughs> I love the sporting movies like you can't go past like Movies like Remember the Titans. But I think the best movie that I've seen ever is Batman Dark Knight Rises. Good. You can't go past that. Favourite sport? Oh. You're only allowed to pick one. One? One. <laughs> one. One. Favourite sport. Uh, it's got to be football. His head's about to explode. Yeah, I can see right, his I love I can't. <laughs> I can't. I like... Uh, Anything I could watch anything. Just really. pick triathlon because then you hit three kind of. Yeah, triathlon because it's three sports. Decathlon. I guess. Decathlon, yeah, decathlete. Nah, pro- it's either football or triathlon. Like I really love my footy, but probably it's probably shifting towards like that whole multi-sport, maybe triathlon, running even. Awesome. Yeah, because everyone's able to run. This is true. Most people. Most people. Favorite recording artist. Uh <laughs> And I'm using the term favorite intentionally. Favorite. Currently or of all time? Just of all time. I've been getting a lot of joy out of the past probably three to four years from the Smith Street Band, Will Wagner and stuff like that. Like, a lot of their songs have resonated with me. Um, he's gone through a bit of a journey through like mental health and the way he... And seeing them recently, I can understand why that band and his songs mean so much to so many people and he's able to have a positive effect on people and he's had a positive effect or their music have had a positive effect on me. So... Yeah. That's probably the best answer I can give up now. Otherwise, we'll be answer. here for another 45 minutes discussing <laughs> me on and own, which music bands and stuff. Like Favourite resource to improve yourself? Favourite resource? I, think I, I do a lot of reading um, from a variety of sources. Um, give me one. Oh, jeez. Uh, oh, just a commu- It's just like people that you know, like your first hand. Like That's my favourite answer. Yeah. You can go to a text or a website or, or a podcast, but if you can get that information firsthand with a person you have a relationship previously, it's going to be genuine and they're going to tell you stuff that is probably nine times out of ten that is really going to help you. Definitely, definitely. They're, going to, they're invested in your life and your interests, so they want to see you get better. So if you can talk to people that have more expertise in a field that you want to know more about, talk to people. That's how you grow and learn as a person. Good answer. A lead answer. I'm very happy with that. Favorite hobby? Ah, uh, hobby. Oh, I just anything to do with sport, physical activity. Uh, you're just moving, I guess. 
Also, I love my couch. Like, just <laughs> like, oh, yeah, like, um, and my girlfriend just hates me for this, but <laughs> there's nothing more than I like just, like, just time by myself, watching sport on the TV on the couch. Are you going to get much sleep over the next two weeks? Tour de France. I'll try. It's in an awkward time slot, but I'll try and always stay up and watch the first couple of hours. It's good this year. They're going to start the stage from the start, so I don't have to wait and fluff around watching Gabriel Gatte go through France trying to cook some dish, <laughs> which I hate. I hope they stop that this year. But, yeah, that's the most frustrating part. Of the Tour de France. I hate that guy. Last favourite. Favourite book and... Favourite book? Favourite book okay. that you've ever read and the one learning point you got from it. Oof. Or teaching point. Uh, for someone that should read a lot more, I don't actually read enough books. and It's something that I do want to change. Yep. Um, I want to be able to learn more things through reading because I think there's a lot of stories and a lot of lessons to be learned from books. Uh, the big one for me is like um, that resonates with me the most. I got asked this question in a PD at work the other day. I think, um, and it's teen fiction, which is kind of weird, was... Um, the Perks of Being a Wallflower. Um, I love that movie. Yeah, I, I love that book. movie and I, I love that book and I don't know, just the whole journey that the, the main character kind of goes through I think really resonated with me and I was able to uh, kind of take a lot out of it and as a, as a person and, and stuff like that too and I was probably reading it and understood it a lot more when I was going through that process of the health and fitness journey. I think yeah. I think it's a good book and yeah, it's, it's teen fiction essentially but I took a lot out of it and yeah, loved the movie and, and all that it was about and yeah no cool. it was great awesome now you're uh, you're rolling into your 30th birthday it's a month away today which <laughs> now, is scary there's something something you want to tell the wider community about oh, I all, of, all of your nicknames I do have a lot of nicknames which is uh, good uh, I don't know um, there's only really three people that call me Jared in this whole world <laughs> it's probably um, the assistant principal at work um, one of my friends calls me Jared routinely cool. and that, that's probably only two people really that's probably only two people that call me Jared so I have a number of nicknames I, was, I thought as a joke the other night I kind of come up with this thing similar to my mate Will who turns 30 at a similar time he goes uh, call him Willie and Chief and stuff like that he's just going to go with Bill after he turns <laughs> just Bill. Bill just Bill Jolly because he's more formal so I kind of thought maybe that I have to do that too maybe after after I turn 30, I'm just going to be called Jared, which is on my birth certificate. It is my name. You've heard it here first. We're not, not allowed to call him Moo or <laughs> yeah. Pulsey or J-Pulse or Majuk. Majuk or whatever. I've got heaps, but... It's generally upsetting. No, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe it's 30th. It's this thing. It's probably trying to hang on to my youth a little bit more. Maybe I'm trying to mature a bit, but... <laughs> I don't know. Too many nicknames. You can't, can't have too many nicknames. No, that's true. That's true. Well, thank you. Keep doing what you're doing. Thank you. The last thing, you have one question to ask me. <laughs> now, everyone keeps saying, I want to ask you questions, and I've cut it short, but I'll give you one. One question. Um, put me on the spot here. Welcome. Yeah, that's uh, intentional. Yeah, it is intentional. One thing I learned on my time on the radio, though, dead air isn't great. Um, that's true. Can't win them all. <laughs> Can't win them It's right at the end, so people could just stop it now. Yeah, true. Probably already tuned off a long time ago. <laughs> Genuinely anyway, a long time don't ago. Don't they'd stop. I'm okay with that. Yeah. Uh, one question. What do you get out of being adverse and seeing people improve? Because uh, I imagine being a coach that's related to education, I guess, yeah. what makes... What drives you to 
come here because you're probably in, invested more than me because it's your business, it's your livelihood. Um, I'm not essentially, I get paid to do what I kind of do, like the government pays for my duties, like, yep. but people, what, yeah, what, how, 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 how do I frame this a little bit better? What makes me want to do what I do every day? Yes. And what do you get out of it as a person? Because <clears throat> obviously you could have gone in a number of different ways too and, and something that I kind of, you always think, what can, else can I do and stuff like that and it's something that I, I'd probably... This would I'm be still the trying, next logical... I'm still trying to hire you, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, that's a good question. Uh, it's, it's probably I find happiness from helping other people find their happiness and find and find things they enjoy. Like I love coming to work every day and and training people and, and seeing people enjoying the things that we give them and the, and seeing them achieve. You know whether it's achieve coming three times a week where where they couldn't think they could or. See them achieving things in their chosen sport, whether it be football, netball, running, whatever it is. And I guess, yeah, for me, it's just, and and uh, you know, altruism is one of those things where we all do things because we get something out of it. And I don't think that no one's that selfless that they do everything for other people. And there's always going to be something that you get out of it. But for me, it's as simple as seeing people smile and seeing people happy and and seeing people enjoying the community that we've created is the reason why I do it and it's just yeah it's just enjoyment and it's it makes me happy seeing other people happy um, it's it's I guess it's selfish to a point for that but yeah simple yeah and on that note <laughs> thanks to Palsy we yeah it's been good and yeah. look forward to having Palsy and TK on in a couple of weeks to chat education yeah it'd be great looking forward to it Wallace out Pulsy. <laughs>